You are listening to the In Context Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the In Context Podcast. Today we have a special guest. Uh, it's, is it Dr. Reverend Matt Sells? <laughs> you can call me Matt, yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, yeah, so we've got Matt Sells. Uh, he's a recent friend of mine. If you're wondering what the link is between Matt and uh middlesbrough well he's a smog monster he's originally from <laughs> teesside believe it or not he's a teesider from the people's republic of teesside uh, so wonderful to have you uh, as a guest matt a fellow teesider although uh, you don't sound like one <laughs> i don't did you have that thing on your passport where uh i had to renew it and they said i'm sorry but teesside no longer exists did you have that? <laughs> no, no. I had this thing and they said, like, for years my passport said place of birth Teesside. Yeah. And then they and then I got a call saying, I'm sorry, but you've put down a place of birth that doesn't exist. Because yeah. they like reconfigured like all that so, and they're like, it's not officially recognized Teesside as a place anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, a bit like Russia, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm formerly known as Teesside. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 like, I lived there for a couple of years. So I'm, I and I and a year in down, but barely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, Can't claim too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we, if we if we had a cricket team, we'd be able to play for one for us, wouldn't you? There we go. Awesome. Well, th- the funny thing is, uh, we're at other ends of the country doing different types of ministry, but you contacted me uh, a couple of months ago, seeing if you could help support our work in any way. And I got off the phone after speaking with you, uh, after doing a, a similar Zoom call like this, and sent my wife that I'd been speaking to a lovely man called Matt Sales, and I said to her, I think he's written a couple of books. And she picked up a book by the side of the bed, and she said, like this one here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so sorry for not being starstruck when we first spoke. <laughs> That's why we've got this conversation now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just dismissed you until I realised you were a famous author. So... <laughs> No, but seriously, uh, the, the Psalms are, are something that I feel are underused. It's something that I avoided for a long time. Uh, when I was first a Christian, I just used to dive straight in the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But since growing in my faith, since becoming a minister, what I've realised is uh, the Psalms, the whole of the Old Testament, but in particular the Psalms are, are wonderful for, for ministering to, to my soul. And I just wondered... You've written the book, Tumbling Sky. What was it that made you fall in love with the Psalms? What was it that brought you to write the book that you did, uh, Tumbling Sky, Psalm Devotions for Weary Souls? Yeah, good question. Um, Yeah, so in recent years, I spent a lot of time looking at the Psalms, but it was really, really personal, actually. It was when um, when I I just got a call. It was Easter Sunday, 10 plus 11 years ago, and um, just said, it's just from my mum and I could barely make out a voice saying uh, please give me a call back and she'd suddenly had a basically a massive heart failure rushed to hospital I mean she was a fit and healthy woman um but suddenly um yeah she was like 52 I think or 62 um and yeah suddenly out of nowhere everything just changed she was in hospital driving through the middle of the night to go and see her and just I mean one sense it's very not like I don't want to overplay like you know lots of people lose people and she died a, a little while later but it was just that experience of grief um and my dad had died 10 years previously but 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 when my mum died just i was just in my first year of christian ministry yeah 11 years ago um 
and you know, I'm the guy who's supposed to know all the answers and stands at the front. And I, I think I just didn't quite know how to process it as as a Christian. And what what do I yeah what do I do with anger, just crushing sorrow, questions, all these kind of things. And um and there was one verse. It's in Psalm 30. And like for, for a while, it was the only verse I could read in the Bible. Just this set only a few words, weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And it's just a verse that told me, uh, basically, you're okay. Like for you to be really sad right now is not a failure as a Christian minister. Um, and it's right to grieve. It's right to find things hard. But rejoicing comes in the morning. There was that real hope. And just the, the combination of those two, that honesty about, yeah, life can really suck. And sometimes tears are the right response. Um, not just smile, Jesus loves you, everything's okay. Sort of, a, you know, the, the, the sort of the trite things that you can, you can sometimes, well, either be told or more often probably think you should. It's probably not someone saying that directly, but you just get the impression from church that church is just for happy people, maybe. So it was, it was very much that experience that, that just sort of led me into initially that psalm and then and then the psalms more and more as um as i just realized that all the things i was feeling then and and actually yeah things were pretty tough for a while after that um various other things and and just seeing in the psalms that honesty of experience mm. which was so much sort of broader than what i've been used to as a christian and um and yet with god right at the heart of it and with hope in the midst of it and it was that holding together of yeah life can really suck at times and being a Christian doesn't doesn't excuse you from that and nor do we have to pretend that's not true or, or hide it but there is that hope and there is and this this almost this is how God this is how to relate to God I just I said to someone a while afterwards I basically couldn't pray I mean so many people when they experience loss and, and actually trauma people lose sort of speech in general but particularly the ability to pray people find it really hard to pray often when they're really going through things and um we've got 150 prayers that cover all situations of life. And it's as if the Lord said, look, I'm going to keep speaking to you through the scriptures, but here are some words you can speak. You know, he sort of gave me words to, to keep up mind of the conversation. So yeah, just spent more time in the Psalms and started writing songs based on the Psalms and um, was just sort of, yeah, spending more time there really for my own, for my own benefit. And then, and then it was really sort of flowing out of that. Um, I think it was a mate who suggested said that you know why don't you sort of why don't you do some devotions and um and it was originally to accompany an album i've recorded an album of songs on the psalms and and just sort of yeah it came from there and thought actually i've been a christian for years most of my life but, you know been in church circles but you know I, but it felt there'd been something a bit missing certainly my experience of how to relate to god i wasn't really equipped in that area so i thought well um yeah if anything i can do to help people get into the psalms so maybe someone else is in not i mean for me it was death of a parent lots of people experience it. i don't want to sort of pretend anything particularly extreme about that but it certainly hit me but lots of people suffer all sorts of things and just thought if i can help people see in the psalms ways to keep relating to god mm. um yeah that's what that's what led me to, to write it and, and sort of keep yeah keep it keep going in, on the psalms mm. yeah and it's 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 interesting what you said about it's difficult to share as a christian uh, that you're feeling sad or low 
miserable and, and, and even depression. It's hard for Christians to admit to being anything other than joyful. <laughs> so why do you think it's hard, first of all, uh, to talk about these issues uh, and, and even harder to admit that you are struggling with these issues in the first place? Yeah, so people ask me that so often if I've taught on, I think just before lockdown, I think in the six months prior to lockdown, I think I'd 30, on 13 occasions I'd spoken on psalms and lament and suffering. Or so, like lots of people are asking that question. Mm. And um, I wonder if, if some of it is um, what, what we do in church so often shapes what we do the rest of the week. It kind of, it, it, in a sense, it teaches us how to be a Christian yeah. to, to some degree. And so if you, as you come to church, you never see people um, suffering or struggling, mm. then you, you pick up, well, the Christian life is not for people who are suffering or struggling. The, the, the same way with opening up about um, all, a whole bunch of things. But, but I think what, what we see in church, and if church is, um, is only in the, sort of the, in the positive major key, um, always upbeat, um, and if someone gives a testimony, it's how kind of I used to be a drug addict, but then I came to Jesus and now everything's brilliant. And that, <laughs> as if that's the only story. Um, and it's a wonderful story. But what about the person who's there saying, but my experience was actually much harder than that. And I didn't receive a direct answer to prayer like that. Or I actually have some questions still or, or something. I, I'm, I'm really grieving. But the songs we sing are, um, you know, just just sort of always upbeat so is that what i have to be like and i wonder if part of it is never probably said from the front of church christians must always be happy mm. but i think partly how we do church um and what yeah what, what what the church culture is like we can give the impression sometimes um the thing i used to say until someone picked up last year i used to say you know the honesty of the psalms I mean, when we come to church we don't need to wear a mask mm. and she said you better not say that. You better stop saying that because you'll get you'll get in trouble with the government. But what I meant was, you don't need to pretend. You don't need to. Um, yeah, it's not a, it's not a sign of spiritual failure to have questions, doubts, griefs, anger, pain, uh, and a whole bunch of things. Mm. Almost, we need to be told that, and that's what I love the Psalms because mm. I think, am I the, maybe I'm the only one who's going through this? And then you see a psalmist, and they they just go through all sorts, and you think okay but they're still they're still believers mm. and i think it broadens our understanding of what a believer can be mm. um yeah well i wish i read the psalms when i was first saved because I, I i come from quite a a different background from a lot of people who were in my church i suffered with anger and, and aggression and and i'd share with with men that i was struggling with my temper and that i punched a hole in a door or in a wall or something like that and they'd look at me as if i was possessed and if they'd have just pointed me to a sound that where, where the psalmist asking for god to like smash the teeth of their enemies <laughs> i'd realize that the emotion wasn't particularly the issue it was how i was processing mm. it so i felt that these emotions that i were feeling were, were wrong when mm. it wasn't there were natural emotions it was my response and that's where i needed mentoring and and being reassured i think and i think that's a big feeling isn't it and it's, it's interesting because that's one of the things that people struggle with is there's, there's a lot of anger in the Psalms. Yeah. What, what do you do with that? But actually, if you look at it, it's never, 
the psalmist never take out that anger personally. They always bring it to the Lord. And people say, well, how can, how can, you know, how can they speak that way? But it's like, well, if, if that's what's going on in your heart, what are you going to do? You either punch, you know, you either smash through the wall or you tell God how you're feeling, yeah. even when that's pretty raw. And, and that's one of the things I love. And I, it's interesting. And I'll be interested to know whether this is more of a kind of middle class thing. But sometimes talking to people about the Psalms, people say one of the reasons we shouldn't use the Psalms at, at times, I'll, I'll hear almost people saying that sort of thing is because some of the emotions are just too extreme. The depths of sorrows are things we don't go through. That, and, I, and the danger is you read a sort of a Western, comfortable, middle-class Christianity onto the Psalms and go, some of this doesn't fit. Mm. Whereas actually, I think we should do the opposite. I think we should look at the Psalms and say, maybe we should be more angry than we are, mm. actually, at injustice in the world. Mm. If I'm not angry the way the Psalmists are at some things, mm. that might not say, oh, therefore the Psalms are oh, it's just Old Testament, forget that, you know, m maybe that's a sign, actually, I should care about these things more. Mm. So it's, it's quite interesting when we start to sort of, I mean, of course, we, we read them as Christians, and we maybe talk about that. But I do think there's something about that range of emotions, um, rather than coming to them going, well, I've never experienced any of those, so that it can't be for me, rather thinking, this is what believers can experience. I mean, we're not all in every situation so we might read one something that i've just never been there psalm 88 is real deep despair not everyone's been there but for those who have been there mm. it's really precious that that is there mm. and a believer can say those words for someone who really struggles with anger one of the psalms that the psalmist is, is is angry and pours that out to the lord that can be a real encouragement so i think yeah i think that's really interesting yeah so many things psalm 68 verse 5 about God being a father to the fatherless was uh, key mm. to, to my salvation and to my faith growing up without a dad and being desperate to be loved by a father and, and and a lot of people would say how can you relate to God the father if you didn't have a dad or you've got a bad dad I said well I've got the example of a perfect father within the Psalms he is everything that I wanted and never had mm. or everything that uh, was negative about my father he presents the opposite in the positive way he will never leave me he will defend me uh, he's the defender of widows uh, of, of orphans and yeah and that sense of injustice again the, the when you look at G George uh, Floyd uh, you see see racism uh, you, you see uh, abortion you see uh, genocide uh, I think we've become passive as Christians, as a church of these things, we've become sanitised to the injustice that's going throughout the world when we should be on our knees in anger, asking God uh, not to exact our vengeance, but to deal with it, shouldn't we? That's something we should be praying for on a daily basis. Yeah, and I, and I think, I mean, this is what I was just yesterday, actually, in church, I was preaching at church and interviewed about the Psalms as it happens and one of the things they talked about was how the psalms you know aren't used as much in churches maybe as they might have been and if actually you were regularly saying praying singing however you want to do it you know words like that god is a, you know defender of the fatherless and um takes up the cause of the oppressed and the orphan and the widow not only does that enlarge your view of god but if part of being a christian is is christ being formed in you is growing in conformity to christ if you know if holiness is being more like god that's got to shape how you view the world and so i think for a christian to read god is the defender of the fatherless the, you know the orphan and the widow 
and not feel okay so i should be that as well mm. to a degree you know god supremely but actually that these are godly characteristics to grow into mm. and so I th- and, and including anger injustice and standing up for the um the rights of the oppressed and various things i think actually the, the, the psalms just just show us maybe yeah maybe our, as you say we need to be more angry or we need to be more actually more compassionate one another sort of a reason why you know, sort of push back against you know using the psalms is well i'm not feeling sad and the, you know, this is a psalm that's really sad and it's talking about enemies and it's talking about persecution but that's not my experience mm-hmm. and i think part of it is well these would have been sung by all god's people and actually even in your church no matter how small it is probably there's someone there who's feeling Mm. sad or broken or persecuted or whatever else but certainly in the global church the worldwide church i mean you probably don't need to go beyond your own city but certainly worldwide Mm. there will be people like that and i think it gives you gives you windows into others experiences Mm. um and i mean take some of the george floyd stuff just i'm no no expert in 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 sort of thinking through these things but you realize hearing someone else's experience chatting to my black mates and, and hearing what life has been like for them you start to realize, i never experienced that and wouldn't have known that that would have been what you would experience unless you'd have told me mm. and you can kind of slightly live in someone else's experience and, and that helps you empathize and and helps you relate and i think in the psalmist we, we sort of do that we overhear this is what it sounds like to be a persecuted christian mm. So maybe I, I don't know any persecuted Christians, but this will help me pray for them because I can sort of hear what it, what it feels like from the inside. If I haven't been persecuted, I won't know that, but I can hear it from someone else. And I think, I think that's a wonderful thing that, that when we come to the Psalms, one thing I encourage people to do is to think kind of corporately, even though often the psalmist says, I, I praise you, Lord. Yes, there's an individual, but these would have been sung by God's people together. So I think we can also think about others and think, is there someone for whom this psalm might particularly fit? Um, you defended the fatherless. Maybe that prompts you to think, okay, maybe this will encourage me to pray for particular people or, um, or, or, or you know, it, it, I think it broadens our horizons to just me and my concerns. I think that's a great thing. And that was the problem and was a reason for the exile anyway, wasn't it? For, for, for God's people, uh, was the fact that they weren't compassionate, that they were thinking individualistically. And if they were singing these psalms uh, probably and putting themselves uh, in a position of thinking of others and, and having that compassion and anger to injustice, they probably would have changed their behaviour and they wouldn't have been taken into exile in the first place. And, and I think the other thing is, when I was speaking with uh, Dr. Robert Swift Jr. last week, I was asking him, how can you remain faithful to your preaching when going through personal tragedy and his answer was that you prepare for battle before the war and that if you preach to yourself about certain problems that when you face these problems that's when you have the strength to get through them so if we are um, listening to songs of lament and prayers of lament prior to being in a position of our own tragedy we've already got that comfort and knowledge and trust that you know what this is painful, but God will hear my cry and God will help mm. me through it. That's so true. And it, 
I remember listening, there was a, Don Carson a number of years ago said something similar in a sermon, probably just in more words. <laughs> but he said, um, he said just about every old person he's ever met, every old Christian loves the Psalms <laughs> because they've gone through all the stuff of the Psalms. Yeah, yeah. Lots of young people not so into the Psalms, but he said how he wishes that a lot of young people could spend time in the Psalms so they are ready for mm. all those different things. And as you say, um, yeah, you prepare before the battle. And you'll, you'll know that from just just a pastoral ministry it's really hard if someone's in a really tough situation and at that point you've got to give them the theology they need to get through that situation um i mean i found you know i found grief and depression really tough and i had some of you know not all of i had some of the theology in place already mm. having the having the theology doesn't make it easy yeah. but but at least it gives you the framework but trying to sort of trying to attack you start trying to attach the anchor to the boat when you're in the storm if you can attach it beforehand mm. and so um and so i think that's really really important is that even if someone's thinking well why, why would i spend time in the psalms i'm not i'm not suffering in this way well you might do at some point and certainly if not use someone you know and so can you yeah it's not like you know take one dose of the psalms and everything's fixed but can you at least just be just be taught okay there, are, there will be ways of engaging with god even in this um maybe it's just the reassurance if you feel this it doesn't mean you're not a christian anymore i think that's what for a lot of people feel that added burden yeah, yeah. i'm suffering but also i'm not cheerful or i'm i feel like i'm a downer in church i feel like actually everyone else in church is all fine and i'm not and then people deal with an added layer, layer of kind of guilt and burden and at least if we can lift that and say okay king david said basically what you said mm -hmm. um like and he was king david so let's just let's just assume it's okay for a believer to pray like that so don't worry about that let's just now you know engage you know engage engage with things without that extra level of of guilt and burden and, and whatever else i think i've seen when talking to people i've seen that almost that weight be lifted mm. off people's shoulders which i think is really important because when you're you know when you're going through it you don't need extra levels of kind of oh no and what will church think of me that extra level of condemnation when we, you know, we've got the world and ourselves and, you know, beating ourselves up enough already. Yeah. And and that struggle that it's, it's funny, isn't it? That you get a guilt about not having joy. You get a guilt about being depressed. So, mm. so these things that are causing you pain anyway, uh, then, then the devil attacks you and, and you have all these, spiritual side effects to it on, on top of, of how you're feeling mentally and emotionally. Yeah. So I think one of the biggest problems for me was I, I never really understood uh, how to read the Bible properly. So when you'd look at uh, tears for a night, but joy comes in the morning, I'd wake up in the morning and think, well, I'm still sad. <laughs> so how do you help uh, because not only can you you feel guilt yourself and think, well, wow, do you know what? I've, I've cried and that's right to cry, but I'm still not feeling joy. How can you help an individual who's, who to understand that, but also help somebody who might be trying to pastor somebody and becoming impatient with somebody's struggle? Oh, they're both so important. And I think that second one's really interesting, that impatience at someone's struggle, and we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. I th it's interesting for me i think the single biggest thing i learned during it so so after the death of my mom and then a then a hard time for various other things and then illness mm -hmm. and then depression a number of things sort of came and i was off work for for a year or so um 
and again that's not far less than many people who experience not to sort of claim any expertise in in suffering but just just what sort of things that i learned along the way i think um the, the biggest thing was the idea of sorrow and joy coexisting in the christian life um and it was a, it was a mate of mine who was also going through a really rough time really good mate and the two of us were just <clears throat> we're going through it at the same time and he put me onto this i think it was a um i think it was a talk by john piper at a uh, at a conference um on disability and just just looking at this issue um for people who are sort of affected by disability in various ways and and sorrow and joy <clears throat> coexisting and it's it, taken from from paul in is it two corinthians describes himself as sorrowful yet always rejoicing and we think it's sorrowful or rejoicing but paul says sorrowful yet always rejoicing both at the same time <clears throat> and i think if your framework is it's one or the other then if you are sad and you read a new testament command rejoice always i preached yesterday on rejoice always there we go so yesterday i preached on rejoice always and i made sure that people understood that by that i'd never i didn't mean never be sad yeah but i think if we hear rejoice always as always be upbeat always be cheerful and happy or there's a there's a wrong way of hearing that that's pretty much inhuman to tell someone that yeah. but jesus wept at the grave of lazarus yeah We've got to say that was the right emotional response. Mm. Um, and so it's not just kind of smile, Jesus loves you, everything's going to be okay, a really trite view of the Christian life. Sorrow and joy can coexist. And sometimes joy is kind of really upbeat, hands in the air, just just life is sunny and, and circumstances are amazing. And there are Psalms like that. But sometimes it's a Psalm 13 kind of joy where he speaks about wrestling with the thoughts day after day, sorrow in my heart, endless, unceasing sorrow. Yet I rejoice in your salvation. Mm. What does the joy look like there? Well, it's the joy that there are certain things I know about God, even though circumstances are really hard and I'm still crying every day. Mm. There is there is something I can hold on to. But I think I think it's helping us understand what what what, what biblical joy is. I think has been the, the, the most significant thing. Um, and I think both in terms of for you when you're struggling to, to, to realize that, that being sorrowful doesn't mean you're not also joyful. Being sorrowful doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Being sorrowful doesn't mean you've forgotten Jesus loves you. Being sorrowful doesn't mean you've forgotten the hope of the resurrection or all these other, all these things that might make you feel guilty. Being sorrowful probably just means circumstances are really hard. Jesus was sorrowful. Um, but I think it helps others as well. And one of, one of the questions I get asked most often is, okay, I'm persuaded of this, someone says, but what about my church where if someone is struggling, people often don't have that time for them. They, they sort of quickly want them to cheer up. Um, and I think that's a harder question, but I think as we accompany and try and walk with people who are struggling, I think if we can have that sense of if someone says to me, you know, how, you know, you go after church, how are you doing? You know, mm. I remember speaking to someone, I said to you, hey, you know, so how are you doing? I've been in constant pain mm. every day this past week and there's nothing the doctors can do about it because I'm allergic to all painkillers. And that's all they said. Um, 
Though interesting, actually thinking about it, they, they then apologized. They then said, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have, and, and it, what was really interesting, this, this lady then sort of apologized for burdening me with that because probably what Christian should say is, yeah, I'm great, how are you? <laughs> um, but actually that was, yeah. that was simply a description of how she'd been. And I think we need to be okay with that um, rather than cheer up, Jesus loves you, can't you smile a bit more? Mm. Which is really, if I say that to someone, it's probably because I feel a bit uncomfortable with their sorrow. But Jesus isn't uncomfortable with our sorrow. He doesn't see that as a failure. And I think if we can increasingly learn to be comfortable with other people, if someone's really struggling, just to be with them sometimes, maybe not say anything at all, but just to be there and let them know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to try and fix you right now. In fact, I'm not even going to assume you need fixing. Um, I think Zach Eswin, in one of his books, says, um, I, I won't get the quote right, but it's something like, sometimes tears are the only sane response to a messed up world as in sometimes someone says i've just been this week has i've just been in floods of tears all week maybe that's how they should have been given what their circumstances are and so i think just to yeah i'd love it if church if churches were more and, and I, I do see that and i know people who are so compassionate and gracious um and i need to work on that because i want to fix people i'm a bloke i just want to you know take the blue pill, done, move on, what's next? Yeah. Um, but just that patience with people, I think, as you mentioned, is really important. Yeah, yeah same thing, like you said, uh, having an answer or a solution rather than just letting uh, the God-given emotions work through a situation as well, isn't it? And mm. allowing people that time to uh, cry out to God. Like with the, the Psalms are so full of emotion, yet as men and as Christians, we can often just try to think on an intellectual level rather than <laughs> on an emotional level, can we? Well, you, you might. I'm, I'm mostly an emotional wreck, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, so all, we're all different, aren't we? Yeah, and again, for me, I, I, I try and hide my emotions because I'm an emotional wreck, because I don't like dealing with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas if we were the psalmist and, and, and uh, like the psalmist and maybe he's, uh, got our emotions out to God every night and morning when we awoke and every night when we went to bed, if we spent more time uh, expressing our emotions to God, then we'd probably be in a better place than we are uh, now. But but that's another thing for me. I think uh, not understanding my emotions as well as not understanding the Bible and not understanding the difference between joy and happiness. Can you explain the similarities and differences between that? Yeah, well, I guess, I guess it's a little bit what what I was saying, that, that sometimes we hear joy. Like, you know, biblical commands rejoice always, um, as I said, preached on yesterday from Philippians. And, and we, get that, we get that a lot of times. Even consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Mm -hmm. And if, if we have a, a view of joy that is, that, that is sort of too, too thin... Then that that becomes a, as I said, a really inhuman thing to tell people. Um, we kind of think, Paul, have you got no emotional intelligence at all? Um, but actually, joy is not just a happy, upbeat feeling. I think biblically, it is sometimes. I mean, it's it's, it's hard hard to describe. People talk about sort of a a, a deep joy um, that that looks you know different in different circumstances. Um, so it's not it's not that sort of euphoric, happy feeling. 
Mm. Um, I think it seems to be something something deeper than that. And so sometimes that joy is is loud, exuberant. Sometimes it's it's sort of it's in the trenches. It's with tears. Mm. But this it's it's a yet I will rejoice. Yet I will trust you. Mm. Um, there are certain things because of who Christ is, what He's done, where we you know we're going to be with Him forever. Th- those things are sources of joy even as circumstances may still produce tears and pain and questions and doubts and suffering. And again, it's joy and sorrow. Biblical joy can coexist with sorrow mm. and tears. So if our view of joy can't coexist, we maybe need to redefine it according to the scriptures a bit more. Yeah. So then you've written the book because you found joy through sorrow in the Psalms. Uh, what did that look like for you then? What is true joy? Well, I mean, maybe this isn't quite answering the question, but hmm. I think in a sense, almost my goal wasn't true joy, hmm. but actually just I had learned how to, to express what I was going through to the Lord. In any, I mean, in, in any situation, I, I think you can either turn to God or turn away from God. And I think the Psalms, what, what they taught me to do and what I'm trying where I can to teach others to do is it, here are things you can bring to God. I, I think I say in the book, you know, Jesus didn't say to me, come say to us, come to me, all you who are um, well sorted. Come to me, all you who have got no struggles. Come to me, all you, who, all you who are healthy. Come to me, all you who always look nice for church on Sunday and never arrive late because the kids have like jumped out the car window. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And so actually to learn, we can bring all these things to the Lord. Um, Our doubts, our griefs, our anger, our all all the range of emotions, Mm. many of which we maybe feel we can't express. Now we can bring them all to the Lord. Let's be honest, if we don't, what will we do? We'll either just talk to ourselves about them and just kind of kind of moan or, or, or look elsewhere for solutions. No, we can bring them all to the Lord. He's a loving Heavenly Father. Um, and I think it was actually, it was through that, that 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 really helped me. And that helped me experience some of that joy in the Lord. Um, and it's certainly not the case. I'm certainly not saying, you know, um, one of those guys on the, you know, on the TV with the big, the big smile saying, you know, I discovered how to achieve true joy and you can too through these, you know, these 25 steps. Um, more it's i think in the psalms i you know i learned something of how to relate in all seasons of life mm. i think some of the benefits of you know some of what's flowed from that is is an increasing i think an increasing awareness of the goodness of god actually mm. as i realized he actually cares about even you know, whatever it is whatever, whatever situation he, he even cares for me in that and he's patient with me and gentle with me and kind with me in that situation i got an increasing awareness of the approachability of god if that's the right word maybe um so yeah so it's not so much that i'm now happy all the time and i used to be sad or anything anything like that but as life is up and down as it is for all of us i think in the in the harder times i think i i don't I hope beat myself up maybe as I used to or as much thinking I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be going through this, mm. but also I've learned that God is really, really kind. Mm. I, I just think 
I think I had a bit of a, a small view of God that he was just mostly fed up with me um, much of the time. But actually, um, his face is turned towards me with a smile. Um, and, uh, and I think that's been that's been really transformative, just an awareness of the, the, the goodness of God. But in a really, you know, we all say, yeah, sure, God is good. But but in a, in a deep way, the goodness of God, the approachability, the kindness of God, the gentleness of God. Um, I think those are the things that actually lead to that joy. It's not that we search within for joy mm. as the Psalms lift our hearts to Christ we see him, we experience his goodness. And that's what sort of, that's what helps us to see the sunshine again, I think. Mm. Awesome, that, yeah. Encouraging. Mm. So what way would you use the Psalms then? How is it, do, do you meditate? Do you do you read them out? Do you, what what would be the your advice for the, to get the most out of the Psalms? Uh, yeah, I've done loads of things. I mean, I'm a musician, so I, I kind of, I'll, I'll sing them and I write songs based on the Psalms, as that's been one way. Um, and part, part, I mean, they were songs and they are songs, so that partly wasn't, that's using them as they were supposed to be used. It's also been interesting to me, as you come to a psalm, thinking what the tune is. That's quite a helpful way to look, even if you're not particularly musical, think is this, um, I did a, did a session for the youth group at church on the, um, on the Psalms two weeks ago. And, um, and I think I read out a psalm, we were talking about this, I said, look, what's the, you know, what's the sort of tune here? Is it, you know, someone, you know, is this, is this Pharrell Williams happy? Is this Adele? Is this, is this death metal? What's the, what's the vibe of the psalm? And actually that's quite, an, not just what's said, but what's the feel? That's quite an interesting way in. Even if you're not, you know, not musical, you can picture the musical style it might be. Mm. Um, but, uh, I mean, right now I'm li listening to them, trying to listen every day. I've just got a, audio bible max mclean my, uh, my favorite and um i just kind of just try and listen to a few psalms because i think because of the language and the imagery um for me when i hear it out loud that that helps um so I often just go for a go for a 10 minute walk in the morning and just just be listening i play at 0.7 speed so i can actually take in the images so just sort of slow it down on audible um i think there's many ways that, that probably the single most common bit of advice i give when i'm doing sort of training sessions on the psalms is um don't worry about the difficult bits just move on mm. um which is not to say at some point don't don't engage with that but i think some people will read the psalms and they'll get to something you know break the teeth of the wicked or just a bit they don't understand or there's just some that feel very foreign and unfamiliar for whatever reason and i guess depending on our background that would be different mm. um and what I tend to say to people is that there's 150 Psalms. Mm. If you're finding one, you just can't work out what to do. I move on to the next one. I say, come, I tend to say to people, um, you know, come back when you've like, you've spent time in the other 140 Psalms and really, really enjoyed them, really prayed them. Um, and then come back and we'll talk about those 10 that you found really hard. Um, and so far, so far, no one's held me to it, which is good. Mm. Maybe one day they will come back and ask the difficult ones. But I think partly just say, look, some psalm, I mean, a Psalm 23, the mm. psalms in the in the book that you mentioned, Tumbling Sky, most of them are fairly easy to access. Most of them are not too long. There aren't loads of historical references from the sort of the late history of the kings of Israel that we might not quite remember who's that king or most of them are accessible. And I think there's nothing wrong with starting 
in places that are um, that are straightforward. So Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd, or or some of these places. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, a thing I really have been doing more and more. Sorry, this could be a really long answer, but this is the last thing. <laughs> um, is is praying the Psalms, yeah. and I think for years I could, I knew sort of knew maybe I was supposed to pray the Psalms, but I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. And what it now means for me, I'm not saying this is the the right way, but the, what I tend to do is firstly just chill out a lot more than I did. I think you should be so worried I'd get it wrong. I didn't even start. Mm. Um, but just chill out. God's my father in heaven. Uh, you know, if, you, if, a, if, a, if a kid starts saying their first words to dad, the dad's not correcting the grammar at that point. The dad's like, they spoke their first words. That's amazing. Mm. Um, and so that's what God's like to us. We start speaking to him. He's as delighted. He's more delighted than that first time dad hearing his kids speak to him so remember that chill out don't worry we can you know god's not there going to correct our grammar but then some some bits of the psalms sort of obviously are prayers to god but actually i think anything can be turned to god so the lord's my shepherd um sometimes you can just turn that into a prayer to god and say lord thank you that you are my shepherd suddenly that 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 phrase the lord's my shepherd has been you can turn that to a prayer but I think the second thing, and this is the big one, is any promise of God or any truth about God, we can pray back to him. We can pray the promises. Yeah. So when it says the Lord's my shepherd, we can say, Lord, be my shepherd. Not because we doubt it, <laughs> but it's a way of sort of delightfully laying hold of that promise. Because let's be honest, that's what the Lord prayer is. You know, forgive us our sins. What? Do we think he won't? No, Jesus has died for me. I'm pretty sure he's going to forgive my sins. But when we pray that, we're expressing dependence on that promise. Give us our daily bread. What? Because we think he won't. No, because we know he will. Your kingdom come. Is that in doubt? Do I need to pray that? If I don't pray that, will Jesus' kingdom not come? No, his promise, his kingdom will come. And so we pray in line. And suddenly it opened it up. So any psalm, you can just look at these wonderful promises of God. So some of the ones you mentioned at the start, you know, um, He's a father to the fatherless. So I might pray for someone. I might say, Lord, be a father to this person. Yeah. You know, he's the comfort. I, I, Psalm 147, I've um, I've used I've used quite a lot um, in sort of church pastoral situations. Um, you know, he, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I'll often say, Lord, heal the brokenhearted bind up their wounds so maybe you just hear of someone and maybe i'm praying with someone i'll say lord please heal so and so and the wonderful thing is we know those are promises god will answer mm. and suddenly so many psalms there's there's things we can pray from them so often as i'm reading psalm I'm just thinking what here can i turn into a prayer um psalm 23 he you know he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake when i'm praying for my godchildren often i'll say and my own daughter i'll say Lord, lead them in paths of righteousness. End of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can pray that. Lord, follow Ian with your goodness and mercy today, and may he dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a great thing to pray for someone. Look, I just, just got an email from someone today, and I said, right, I'll pray for you. Yeah. And immediately thought, oh, what do I pray for them? Lord, please be with... Well, there we go. There's so many things in the Psalms we could just turn into a prayer, and so that's something I love doing. There'll be bits I think, what the Moab is my wash pot? What? <laughs> Don't worry, move on. But maybe 
a few verses later, there's something I could, I could, there's a promise there from the Lord. I can pray to him. Um, anyway, I could go on and on about that, but that's, um, that's one of the things I found really helpful is just thinking these are, these are aids to help us pray. Yeah. Um, and God is our father and isn't there looking to correct us when we get it wrong. Mm. So, so that, I think that gives us a confidence just to have a go and just, yeah, just sometimes just take a Psalm and, um, and, and just think what, what prayers does this prompt me to pray? Mm. And then, and then often we'll find, certainly I find if I do that, I'm praying so much more than if I start with a blank sheet of paper and just think, right, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes. What I pray, I, I just say the same things over and over again. Whereas sometimes taking a psalm is just really helpful. So there we go. That's one idea. <laughs> awesome. Oh, it's been wonderful chatting with you. Really encouraging. Uh, I've got one more question for you before uh, I, I'll give you an opportunity to share something that you might find uh, important that I may have missed. But uh, we we mentioned earlier that it's it's tough for Christians to share when they're struggling. Uh, when they're feeling low or depressed and it's i think it's even harder for pastors uh, when they're struggling so what would be your go-to psalm uh, or psalms to help motivate you in your ministry Ooh. <laughs> well i, I want to get hold of your mate Stephen Stephen neils and a few others have got a book coming out haven't yeah. they on pastors with depression and mark menel as well has got one mm. and i think uh, yeah I think the Psalms, but also also just just hearing from other people is 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 also one of the ways God 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 helps us in these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know. I, I've been I've been in Psalm 147 a lot mm-hmm. um, recently, but yeah, it's probably Psalm to keep you going in ministry. Yeah, I tell you what, there's a there's a verse in Psalm 147, mm-hmm. which is um. This is this is a word for those in ministry. His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Mm. Because so often my danger is most of the time I'm just arrogant and self-confident. Mm. And I think I can do it all on my own strength. Until I can't, at which point I'm just plunged into <laughs> to anxiety and worry and sleeplessness and all the rest of it. And it's just wonderful you know the lord again it's partly the big god of the psalms mm. the lord's pleasure is not in the strength of the horses delight in the legs of the warrior in other words god's ability to carry out his plans isn't dependent on me you medhurst ministries south central gospel partnership mm. fiec no matter how wonderful we all are and we're all brilliant of course we are <laughs> but god doesn't need any of us yeah. and that's so liberating to think okay God doesn't need us. His delight is not in the strength of the horse. Actually, if anything, it's in our weaknesses that he can, he, you know, he, he can work because that's where, you know, treasure in jars of clay, that's where his strength is seen. If I'm, if I'm totally competent in my own strength, then probably I'm drawing attention to me, not the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so actually just to see, and I need to keep preaching this to myself, but actually my kind of weaknesses and i've got some ongoing health issues even after things are much better than a few years ago mm. but these weaknesses are opportunities for god's grace to be seen um the lord doesn't delight in human successful whatever um power you know the lord delights in those who fear him who put their hope in his unfailing love. So it's a reminder okay f- i think fear of the lord is, is is seeing 
me as small and him as big. Mm. That's what he delights in, that humble, reverent fear. Okay, the Lord, he is God in heaven. I'm here on earth. Mm. Um, so a sense of our smallness is actually something that he delights in when we have that. Um, and hope in his unfailing love. Mm. He's a very big God, but he's very loving. And so a verse like that keeps me going. Um, there's a line from a song that I, I pretty much sing to myself every time I go and preach. Um, uh, can't remember. Uh, it's a Bob Coughlin song, I think. But it says, perform your wondrous deeds through those who are weak. Hmm. And every time I'm going to preach, I'm thinking that perform your wondrous deeds through those who are weak. Somehow, the Lord's going to achieve spiritual renewal through what's about to happen as I speak. Hmm. That's insane. But hmm. it's only because it's his power. And it's, he's promised that when we, you know, when, when, we, when we minister his word by his spirit, he will work and he'll give life to dry bones. Yeah. And so for us to think, OK, yeah, this is this is Christ in me. This is not me. Actually, my weaknesses are an opportunity for him to be to be sufficient. Um, that's been helpful for me. I mean, there's there's more to be said on that. And I want to be really careful because for those who are really in the pit of depression or uh, addiction or a whole number of things there's so much more you'd want to say it's i don't want to be the guy who just gives a yeah, just trust in god more <laughs> like there's so much to be said on so many of these things and yeah. in a sense i'm giving a tiny part of the theology of some of this but there's more to be said but i think it's a really important part of the, the lord is um the lord is great and good and therefore we can we can be small mm. and and that's okay and again, yeah, really encouraging, first of all, to know that it's not about the horse. So even in Middlesbrough with a couple of pantomime horses that he's got here, he can do something with them. <laughs> but secondly, again, reminding ourselves that the Psalms that we sang in community as well, and that we're not on our own, are we? That we're part of uh, God's church, uh, is worldwide church and our local church, yeah. Oh, it's been awesome chatting with you, Matt. It's been really encouraging. Uh, before you go is there anything you'd like to share that i may have missed uh i think we've... let me let me give you one thing slightly slightly different topic but just on the psalms again it was a question i got asked yesterday um what about jesus in the psalms mm. let me give you just a couple of a couple of thoughts on that because um it was, i got yeah i got asked this in church and i thought it was a helpful question mm. i mean it's a long answer but we want to read the Psalms as Christians. What do we do with that? And I, I've come to think of probably three main ways, maybe four, to, to see Jesus in the Psalms. Um, you get lots of praise Psalms. You know, great is the. It's like Psalm 147. Um, you know, praise the Lord. How good it is to praise Him. He builds up Jerusalem. He heals the brokenhearted. These songs of praise to God for who He is. And in a praise Psalm, I, I tend to think, well. The God who is celebrated in this psalm is most clearly seen in Jesus. Mm. You know, the one who heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds, sustains the humble. Mm. I know a guy like that. I've, <laughs> there was a guy who did that, who literally lived that. And so any praise psalm, I think, how much more mm. in Jesus do we see these things? Um, the Lord is the mighty creator. How much more in Jesus do we see, do we see that? So praise psalms, I think often it's how much more in Jesus do we see these things true? There's loads of psalms of rescue, of deliverance, of thanksgiving. Mm. And we might think, what do I do? You know, this guy was ill, but then he prayed and the Lord answered him and good. But what about, how do I relate to that? 
and we can of course use them when we've been in that situation um i think that sort of those moments of community celebration for an answer prayer i think it'd be lovely to see more of those in churches but also any psalm of deliverance we can see as pointing to the great deliverance the cross that that ultimate rescue of which every other little rescue is a is a sort of a foretaste and a picture um and so i think all these psalms you know psalm 40 um i waited patiently for the lord he turned and heard my cry he lifted me from the pit up from the miry clay i will sing a new song to the lord well that was i don't know what david was going through in psalm 40 but that's our story for christians i was in a miry pit i couldn't get out life was disgusting and dark but he lifted me and put a new song in my mouth and it was through the death of jesus that he did that and and so these psalms of deliverance we can use to celebrate the cross and i find that helpful because i've been a christian long enough that jesus died on the cross for me is a very boring sentence because i've heard it a million times but actually i mean you mentioned earlier on i can't remember if we just started the thing but mentioned sort of preachers and imagery mm. um the guy on your podcast last week and and sometimes just seeing that different image what what's salvation jesus died on the cross for my sins yeah another way of putting it might be psalm 40 i was in a miry pit but he lifted me and put a new song in my mouth that's what jesus did on the cross same truths but the language is fresh and gets under our skin psalm 116 he delivered my soul from death my eyes from tears he delivered my feet from stumbling that i may walk before the lord in the land of the living that's that's what jesus did on the cross <laughs> so praise psalms how much more in jesus thanksgiving psalms ultimately this can be another way to celebrate the cross mm. and for that wonderful truth not to become stale but the lament psalms as well as saying i can pray them myself and say this is what christians go through this is our experience also this is what jesus lived mm. and probably nowhere do we see jesus in a life more than the psalms actually when he was on the cross he quoted psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me so it's really helpful sometimes when reading a psalm to think okay jesus would have prayed this how does that shape things i don't think that i don't think that means we can't by the way yeah. i think it's both but i think when we read psalm 13 how long will Lord be forget me how long will i have sorrow in my heart and unceasing anguish mm. that that's what it that's what it cost jesus to die for me and suddenly Jesus died for me is not just a sort of a, a theological slogan. We can hear a bit inside that and go, this really cost him. And that can lead us to worship. Mm. Um, and you get Psalms about the king, which are, I guess, more obviously about Jesus. But that, that's been really helpful, again, to say di different Psalms. We see Christ as sort of Lord and creator, saviour, sufferer, fellow sufferer. That's been helpful just to enrich my view of Jesus and in a sense, you know, you've got, you said at the start, you know, um, you know, when you're a young Christian, you know, turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Mm -hmm. To be honest, for young Christians, that's where I'd want to start them. I would want to start them with Jesus very clearly. Mm -hmm. But if you spent time in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John to come to the Psalms and see these different windows to Jesus, mm -hmm. just we can never have too big. A, our view of Jesus will always be too small. Mm -hmm. So anything we can do to, to broaden our broaden our picture of Jesus, his beauty, his goodness, um, that's got to be a good thing. So, I, yeah, that's one of the things I love about the Psalms. Mm. Awesome. Well, it's been fantastic. Uh, chat with you, Matt. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Uh, but until next time, thanks very much for joining me on the In Context podcast. Pleasure.